back to the 9-11 conversation. And of course, for anyone who lived through 9-11, it's a day that we don't forget, right? That's the whole point of this. But um, for some people, though, it threw them directly into the middle of a rapidly unfolding and global crisis. Our world literally changed. The attack, of course, targeting the U.S. But if you remember those planes were, many feared, just the start. What else was coming? Was there more? And yes, we were definitely asking all those questions that day and in the days that followed right here in Canada. Uh, were we going to be targeted? If you remember, Al-Qaeda had put out a list. I don't know if it was rumors or speculation, but uh, West Edmonton Mall was on the list. The refineries out east of Edmonton were on the list of potential targets. And there was all kinds of discussion that there could be more. Nobody knew anything at the time. So what was happening in the halls of power that day? What was being discussed? What plans were being made? The Honourable Anne McClellan, Senior Advisor at Bennett Jones these days, but she served four terms as the Liberal Member of Parliament for Edmonton Centre from 1993 to 2006, and she was Minister of Justice and Attorney General of Canada on September 11th of 2001. Uh, a pretty, well, that's about as high as you can get within uh, the inner workings of our country's government, and I've always been fascinated to know, first of all, uh, Ms. McClellan, thank you so much for joining us this morning. I really appreciate your time. My pleasure. Um, we, we know what George Bush was up to. That was documented almost blow by mm-hmm. blow in the days right. that followed. But I've never really heard much about what was going on in Ottawa on that day. Can you walk us through that day as a senior member of the Canadian government? What were you guys facing? What were you doing that day? Well, what I was doing was attending a federal, provincial, territorial meeting of ministers of justice and solicitors general in White Point Resort in Nova Scotia because the Nova Scotia government and the Nova Scotia minister of justice was uh, the co-chair of the FedProv territorial meetings. So I was not in Ottawa. My colleague, the solicitor general, Lawrence McCauley, was with me at White Point, and uh, we had just started our meetings uh, that morning of September 11th when maybe we'd been into the meetings for half an hour and we were all arrayed around a a table, obviously, Um, and uh, somebody brought a message into myself and my colleague Lawrence McCauley saying that a plane had gone into one of the towers. And we clearly, we announced this, uh, shared this with our uh, provincial territorial colleagues. Everybody was shocked. But at that point, everybody thought it was a tragic act. Right, yeah. Um, and when you ask about Ottawa, in fact, the House had not returned. September 11th, the House wasn't going to uh, come back and for another week or two weeks. And cabinet ministers like myself, we were out across the country or in our home ridings. So the day after 9-11, when some of us, very few of us, actually made it back to Ottawa, Mr. Kretchen, the Prime Minister, was there, and he immediately called a, a meeting of the cabinet ministers who were in Ottawa, and there were about eight of us, along with the Prime Minister, who then took stock of what had happened uh, the day before and what uh, the course forward would look like. So that day, as you say, it sort of you were updated during the meeting. Did you continue on with the meeting throughout the day? I mean, at some point, as we learned more no. and more about what was happening, I imagine the course of your day changed and there were some calls. Yeah, dramatically. And- After the first, as I say, everybody thought it was a tragic accident. 
And I remember, I think it was my colleague from Ontario, Tony Clement, perhaps, they were very concerned, the Ontario people, when they heard that a plane had gone into the first tower, because uh, a lot of traffic between Toronto and New York City, especially in the mornings, those morning flights, and, uh, you know, they were particularly concerned that maybe it was uh, an Air Canada flight or a flight from Toronto that had gone into one of the towers. But uh, so they left the meeting just to try and find out any information. Um, we continued at that point with the meeting. And then, of course, I think how much later? Less than half an hour? About maybe? a half an hour, yep. Yeah. Um, we, we got the note that a second plane had gone into the second tower. And at that point, we all knew that this was not a tragic accident, that this was a planned, we knew not, no, no details, no information. But I think we, at that point, pretty clearly knew that this was some kind of attack on the heart of the United States of America. Yeah, at that point, we knew it was the United States of America. But I remember everybody was wondering, what's next? Is there more? And I'm sure as a member of the Canadian government, you had to be thinking, is this coming here too? What do we need to be aware of? Absolutely. Absolutely. And keep in mind that we, uh, I mean, Mr. Kretchen, uh, the Prime Minister, was uh, in Ottawa, but it, uh, very few cabinet ministers in Ottawa. Uh, John Manley was then Minister of Foreign Affairs, but John was on a plane coming from Germany, right? His was one of the last planes to land in Toronto uh, before, you know, airspace was shut down. And you'll remember on that day, on the very day, my colleague David Collinette, the Minister of Transport, was at conf- a conference in Montreal with his deputy. They immediately got in the car and drove back to Ottawa because they knew that they were going to have to do something with the airspace because the U.S. had closed its yeah. airspace, right? And there were all these flights in the air from Europe, from Asia. And where were those flights going to land with the U.S. airspace closed? Because they would start to fall out of the air. They would run out of fuel. And, you know, people, I think, um, don't always understand the urgency of what we, what David Colinette and his deputy and the prime minister had to deal with in terms of do we let those planes land? Right. And the decision was made to let them land, and of course, uh, that now is is uh, a part of history. But we landed an awful lot of planes in different parts of Canada, including Edmonton. And, of course, probably the most famous landings were in Gander, Newfoundland, which is now a global uh, uh, Broadway hit, West End London hit, uh, called Come From Away. Uh, but that day, it was, uh, as you would expect, you don't know, are there going to be more attacks? Are there more terrorists on more planes? And one of the most frightening things, uh, I think, for Mr. Kretchen, and a lot of people didn't know it at the time, was that there was a Korean air flight uh, coming in. Uh, they, they were actually on uh, course to land, I think it was in L.A., at LAX. But they were coming in over um, Alaska and uh, the Northwest Territories. And for whatever reasons, um, the pilots had turned off their comms or whatever. They weren't listening. They knew nothing about the attacks in the United States. And uh, air traffic control could not reach 
the pilots on that flight, fully loaded, oh, 747. And so, uh, actually, there was a discussion, which we learned later with Mr. Kretchen, as to whether if they could not reach the pilots, whether they shot the plane down. What a decision to have to try and make. Absolutely. You never, ever want to have to make that kind of decision. Fortunately, uh, we scrambled uh, the CF-18s, and maybe that was a NORAD Canada-US, or maybe, uh, I don't remember the details, but the CF-18s went up and flew right along beside the pilot in the 747, and it got his attention. As Justice Minister and Attorney General, I imagine there was a lot of discussions uh, from your office with law enforcement and with different security agencies across our country to, to be on guard, to be watchful. What kind of discussions took place in terms of trying to keep Canadians safe? Oh, look, I mean, as uh, we've already discussed, nobody knew no. what was next, right? We knew that, that, you know, an attack on the Pentagon, then, of course, the plane uh, going into the field in Pennsylvania, the two towers. Um, nobody knew whether uh, whether there were going to be either more air attacks or whether there would be ground attacks, whether those would only be in the U.S., whether, you know, European capitals, Ottawa, Toronto, Montreal, whatever. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the RCMP, Canada's National Police Force, very much uh, on high alert uh, as uh, and working closely with their uh, provincial counterparts, working with CSIS, our uh, uh, intelligence gathering agency, and them, of course, all working with FBI, CIA, Interpol, um, as this global network of intelligence gatherers and law enforcement um, uh, tried to figure out what was going on, what was the chatter, what were they hearing. And I think it's probably fair to say that the chatter leading up to 9-11 there was nothing, obviously, a specific in terms of, oh, these guys are going to, Al-Qaeda is going to attack the Twin Towers. Mm -hmm. But there was an awful lot of what we call chatter, right, yep. in terms of, of picking up uh, information, intelligence gathering. But probably, although there's been an awful lot of, of um study and review of, of what was known, what perhaps was not analyzed quickly enough and got back to the front lines that could have prevented the tragedy. But absolutely, I mean, our airports closed. Once those, uh, once those planes landed across the country, uh, and that Korean airplane, I believe, uh, plane, I believe it landed in White Horse or Yellowknife, I'm not, or maybe Vancouver, I'm not sure. Um, but uh, you know, once and the airspace was closed, um, then, uh, you know, there were not flights coming in and out for days, uh, you know, railway. It was... Everything we stopped. Were, we were in, yeah, we were in White Point Resort. Uh, my colleague Lawrence and I were lucky. Stefan Dion, Minister Dion, had come to Halifax for meetings with his parts, and he had flown in on a Challenger. So uh, Stefan said, Anne, if you and Lawrence can get to Shearwater uh, Base, where the Challenger was, uh, within an hour or an hour and a half or something, uh, you can fly to Ottawa with uh, uh, me and my uh, people. Because otherwise, my, my Minister of Justice, Sass, 
who were with me at White Point, Mm -hmm. they took the train back to Ottawa. And it took them days because there were no flights. Airspace was closed because we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, So I did get back to Ottawa that night, the night of 9-11. And the next day, Mr. Kretchen called a cabinet meeting of those who were in Ottawa. And there were about eight of us around the table. And as I say, that's when we decided, started to talk about, um, you know, the, the steps forward, the way forward, and uh, we started to talk about what kind of commemoration we would have for uh, our friends in the United States and uh, all those who lost their lives. And of course, it wasn't only Americans, but Canadians, uh, dozens of Canadians were in those towers and lost their lives on 9-11. And then, of course, after the shock of it all, and of course, the borders closed. The land borders closed. Yeah. Uh, and there were miles and miles of trucks on either side of the Detroit Windsor border, just on the highway, right? On the highway, waiting for literally days before that border reopened. And of course, we were working very closely with our American counterparts uh, to figure out whether, you know, how to get the land border open. And my colleague John Manley, the Minister of Foreign Affairs, was working very closely with his counterpart in the U.S. Um, but you know, you saw that day, and we wanted to make sure both sides of the border wanted yeah. to make sure that situation never happened again. That. Uh, regardless of the tragedy, that we, if you know, we felt comfortable and confident with each other, Canada and the U.S., and the processes that we put in place after 9/11, that we could keep the land border open, um, because uh, you know, literally for days, the economy ground to a halt. Everything stopped. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But what and about? Then, of course. Sorry. Go so, ahead. I'm just wondering. I mean, because. It sounds absolutely chaotic, which is completely understandable. You would expect it to be. But personally, how did you feel? I mean, did you just get so focused on what had to be done that all of that sort of faded away? You know, or were were you scared? Were you personally concerned about what might happen? I mean, just how were you feeling personally as these, this day unfolded and the days that followed? I wasn't scared. Um and I do think you focus on the task at hand, right? So we were reaching out to our counterparts in Europe, mm-hmm. in England, in Australia, uh, you know, uh, to uh, talk about what the steps forward might look like, acting as a fairly cohesive, we hoped, uh, world in relation to responses. The UN was very actively engaged in terms of uh, requesting that uh, all governments around the world ensure that we had enacted a certain number of anti-terrorism conventions that uh, were waiting. Canada, in fact, we had ratified a number of them, but there were a number including uh, relating to uh, air terrorism um, that we hadn't ratified. So, of course, we knew that we needed to do that right away. And uh, Mr. Kretchen put in place a a special committee chaired by John Manley, of which I was a member, and there were about eight or nine of us, ten maybe, who were members of that committee, including people like Paul Martin, the Minister of Finance, because we knew we were going to have to spend money to uh, create 
and implement new processes, uh, better ways of collecting information, more human resources, looking at how we could use technology, how that's interoperable across the country, let alone with other nations, mm-hmm. um, all those kinds of things. And that committee met all through the fall, and but by the, I think, end of September, early October, as Minister of Justice, I introduced into the House of Commons Canada's first anti-terrorism legislation. Which was a whole other story. Yeah, and we got that passed. The deadline the UN gave us uh, to uh, enact certain anti-terrorism provisions, and when I say gave us, gave the world, right? That was their uh, uh, objective, was December 31st. So we took the opportunity to uh, uh, legislate the first ever anti-terrorism legislation. And that was a very, very hectic fall. I was in special committee of the House of Commons, special committee of the Senate a number of times. And the House and the Senate, uh, those committees had tough questions. You know, was uh, did the anti-terrorism legislation go far enough? Did it go too far? We got a lot of questions about, did it go too far? Were we infringing people's rights? Right, yeah. And we had an awful lot of very intense discussion, both at committee uh, of the House and the Senate, and then the special committee, uh, chaired by John Manley, around what the right balance was. Yeah, and, 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 and that battle just waged on. Um, Ms. McClellan, I can't thank you enough for your time this morning. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it is uh, my pleasure, and uh, I just want to say that uh, it was a it was a tragic event uh, for which maybe the world needed to be better prepared. But I can, I think, assure Canadians that over these intervening twenty years, we have learned a lot. Mm-hmm. Both uh, governments of uh, different stripes, we have learned a lot. And we are certainly better at collecting intelligence, analyzing intelligence, and understanding what is happening right. out there. Yeah, we are much. But safer. having said that, we we live in a difficult world. Absolutely, no doubt about that. Uh, thank you again for your time. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank, thank you. you.